This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. Taking a look at the issues surrounding the health and well-being of our LGBTIQ communities, this is Well, 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 brought to you by the team from Thorn Harbour Health on Joy and the Community Radio Network. You're listening to Well, Well, Well. I'm your host, Cal Hawk, and here on Well, 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 we delve into the issues intersecting and interwoven into the health and well-being of our gender, sex, and sexually diverse communities. Now, Well, Well, Well is produced on the lands of the Boonwang people here at Joy Studios in the Victorian Pride Center, and this week's show actually features conversations I had on the lands of the Turbal people uh, when I was in Brisbane, or Minjin, for IAS 2023, the Conference on HAV Science. The five-day international conference, IAS 2023, occurs every two years and showcases the latest clinical research and scientific developments on the global response to HIV and AIDS. Now, while the the recent IAS 2023 conference in Brisbane focused on HIV and AIDS, it also explores testing, treatment, and prevention of other STIs and bloodborne viruses. One of the methods of prevention being explored for STIs like gonorrhea, chlamydia, and syphilis is doxypep. You may have heard some folks talking about it here in Australia, but doxypep is the use of doxycycline to prevent the acquisition of those STIs. And I sit down at the conference with Dr. Chase Cannon to talk about some of the findings from using doxypep and uh, his work in the United States. That's coming up on this week's episode of Well, 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 here on Joy in the Community Radio Network. From HIV to COVID-19, STIs and everything in between, you're listening to Well, Well, Well on Joy and the Community Radio Network. Now, you may have heard about some folks using doxypep or the use of doxycycline to prevent STIs like syphilis. With more evidence emerging about this STI prevention strategy, I was able to talk to Dr. Chase Cannon about his findings and what this could mean for our communities. Here's some of that conversation. Can you introduce yourself for our listeners and what you presented on today? Sure. My name is Chase Cannon. I am a sexual health physician. I also treat people living with HIV in Seattle, Washington, and the United States. Your presentation today was around doxypep, and a lot of listeners uh, on our show are familiar with PEP when we often talk about it for HIV, you know, taken within 72 hours, and then you take it for basically four weeks after risk exposure to HIV. But how does doxypep work? Yeah, it's a great question. So the concept is similar. So PEP stands for post-exposure prophylaxis. So that means you're taking a treatment after you have a sexual exposure, and that is to prevent infection. So in this case, we're using a very common antibiotic called doxycycline that you take a dose of 200 milligrams within 24 hours, but up to 72 hours after condomless sex to prevent gonorrhea, chlamydia, or syphilis. How well does it work? What do we know so far? Yeah, we have uh, three really good uh, trials, so sort of the highest level of evidence we call randomized trials, that now show us uh, from a status-neutral approach, meaning for people living with HIV or people who are HIV-negative taking PrEP, that uh, taking doxypep reduces the risk for uh, getting any of those STIs, bacterial uh, STIs, chlamydia, gonorrhea, or syphilis, by about 65% overall. That sounds like a really great benefit. You mentioned there are some maybe secondary benefits to taking doxypep. What were those? Yeah, absolutely. So in the U.S. trial, uh, some of our qualitative scientists did interviews with participants to understand a little bit more about uh, how this impacted their, their life, what their experience was. So people said that this gave them peace of mind. It reduced stigma about STIs. So 
people are often really annoyed and frustrated to have to disclose STIs to partners to take off time from work to go get treated and tested. And so this relieved a little bit of that for them. It also increased sexual pleasure and uh, gave people a sense of being proactive and they were taking charge of their own sexual health. Sexual pleasure, I think, is a thing a lot of people can get behind. We all love a bit of that. Do we know, does doxypep work evenly for everybody? Because your study was largely around men who have sex with men. Yeah, so most of the trial data that we have currently, uh, it, the, just because of the way that the studies were set up, were done in uh, you know men who have sex with men and then transgender women. Um, there was one study done in uh, Kenya among cisgender women, um, and that study did not show the same effect uh, for doxypep, but we think, and this is sort of new data that literally just came out hours ago at another conference in Chicago in the United States, but we think that largely has to do with the fact that the participants weren't quite taking the doxycycline the way that it was recommended. Well, it, is, it sounds like it's a very live issue and kind of the excitement of, you know, uh, emerging science is, is that, you know, we are learning a little bit more as, as things go along here. You touched on it during your presentation. You know, we, we're, we have a pretty good insight, I suppose, around some of the short-term effects. But what are the, some of the long-term things we need to keep monitoring if we're thinking about rolling out doxypep? Yeah, so... It, With any antibiotic that we use, uh, I'm an infectious disease physician, so we think about what are the risks and benefits. And so obviously the risk, uh, the benefit, excuse me, is this uh, sort of sexual pleasure, the risk reduction for STIs. But on the other side of things, uh, doxycycline treats other bacteria, other parasites uh, in our body, not just the STIs. And so we have to be mindful about what that impact could be. So the thing that you will hear people talk about is something called antimicrobial resistance. So that's basically when bugs, for lack of a better term, that live in and on your body, what we call the microbiome, um, are either killed off by the doxycycline or somehow changed because of the exposure to the antibiotic and that could make them more resistant and so the risk is that if you get an infection with some other bacteria such as Staphylococcus aureus which is really common that uh, there would be resistance and it would be a harder to treat infection. There is also some uh, data now uh, from trials that have been done where uh, military recruits or people who were in the Peace Corps who took doxycycline for many, many days for things like malaria prophylaxis um, may experience longer term effects. So uh, there's some association with uh, chronic diseases happening such as diabetes or autoimmune conditions. And then even some studies uh, can link it to cancer potentially in years to come. So it sounds like it's a little bit of a watch this space, and I know some of the discussion today was it's not about necessarily everybody getting on doxypep, but maybe those most at risk. One of the things that you touched on is the importance of choice, and you know, not necessarily just about doxy, but around how we look after our sexual health and well-being. Could you touch on that for listeners? Sure. I mean, you know, as a sexual health physician, I think that's sort of my job is not to judge you for whatever you, um, you know, this is a potential option. But again, the risk and benefit is something that you have to consider. And so if you're a person who's never had a sexual transmitted infection ever, maybe this is not the intervention for you because for whatever you're doing, it's working. You're not exposed to STI and you've never gotten one. But for people who have had, you know, syphilis three times in the past two years, this might be something that is really important to them to improve their quality of life and their sexual health. If someone 
does is interested in this and I mean of course it's so different depending on parts of the world but let's say you've got a, a physician that you know you have a good relationship with and you have had a, you know a couple STIs or a few STIs in the last you know year or so you know is that a conversation folks should be afraid to approach their physician about? No, I don't think so. I think it's always something that you can broach as a, a client or patient and uh, talk to your healthcare provider about. I think what I will say is that the uh, fervor for this and the interest varies around the world. So this is, of course, very controversial. And so uh, in my country, in the United States, there are, are even providers who are against this completely, even though we have all of this great evidence. And so I think it really just depends on where you live um, and whether or not this can be used as what we call off-label, meaning it's not being used to treat an established infection. It's being used to prevent an infection. And so, um, you know, it may or may not be feasible for you to get it, but you can always start the conversation. And a lot of times, you know, we see that our patients in the community have to do the education themselves, which is an unfortunate burden on the queer community. But um, that is, I think, something that you can um, sort of do for your own uh, health and then also for the health of your community is sort of make our healthcare providers uh, aware about this intervention. Well, thank you for having the conversation with us and all the best as you make your way back to the States. Thank you very much. That has been another episode of Well, Well, Well. If you want to catch up on the latest episodes of Well, 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 make your way to joy.org.au slash well, 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 where you can listen to this and previous episodes of Well, 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 as well as subscribe to our podcast. And while you're online, head to thornharbor.org slash mpox. That's thornharbor.org slash mpox. We have had a couple cases this week of mpox here in Melbourne. If you missed out on getting your vaccinated vaccination previously, only got your first shot, and especially if you're planning some overseas travel, make sure you get fully vaccinated. You can contact Thorn Harbor Health Center Clinic here at the Victorian Pride Center or head to thornharbor.org slash mpox where you can find more info as well as links to find the nearest service for you to get your monkeypox vaccination. We'll be back next week with another episode of Well, Well, Well. I'm Cal Hawk, and until next time, look after yourself and those around you. You're listening to Joy and the Community Radio Network. Thanks for listening to Well, 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 supported by Thorn Harbour Health on Joy and the Community Radio Network. For more LGBTIQ plus health and wellbeing and much more, check out Thorn Harbour on social media at Thorn Harbour or via the website thornharbour.org. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help us keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.